We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joe Pizzapia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. I am your host. Oh, it's Monday morning. Oh, there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of feelings going on in the room. If you were watching football yesterday, my goodness, it is hard not to have some sort of feeling about something that you saw, and I can't wait to express those feelings with my good friend, the other Joe, but no lesser Joe, Joe Bartle. Joe, how the hell are you, and how are your emotions today? You know, I'm doing fine. I think all this emotion has to stem from that Steelers-Patriots game. That, that to me, was as clear of a catch as you'll ever see in the NFL, but yet the archaic rules that we live in today says that that was clearly a drop. And, yeah, I mean, that, that decides a whole bunch of things, not just for the rest of the season, but really the playoffs too. As a Patriots fan, I can tell you, yeah, on paper, it should be a catch. Just like as a Patriots fan, when I saw it happen to Calvin Johnson or Des Bryant or, oh, I don't know, anybody any single week. And it's hilarious to me, the outrage of the Steeler fans, because I, I want to, I, I actually, you know, I tweeted this morning about it. I said, uh, dear Steeler fans, have you been watching football for the last 10 years? Because that's never called a catch on a weekly basis in the NFL. And I'm sorry, but I mean, just welcome to what we are in the NFL. And you're right. Maybe we should have it changed finally. Maybe this is enough. Personally, if it wasn't changed when Des Bryant in the Packer game a couple years back, then I don't see how they're going to change it now. Maybe they will because maybe people realize in the NCAA it's a catch. In high school football, it's a catch. Everywhere else it's a catch. But in the NFL, it's not a catch. It's, it hasn't been a catch. And the referees are going to call it like that every single time. Stop whining and moaning, Steeler fans. You know what you should do? Here's, a, here's an idea. Try executing at the goal line instead of running some stupid-ass fake spike play that takes five minutes to develop. And it's obvious that the Patriots have overprepared for this because they overprepare for every weird scenario in the books. You're not going to catch a Bill Belichick team napping 
on a fake snap, uh, fake spike play. What are you stupid? Uh, <laughs> but you know, sad. I'm sad. Uh, uh, let's let's do emotions. I'm sad because I had a lot of Antonio Brown shares. So Steeler fans, I'm sad with you about that because that kind of ruined my uh, many of my lineups. Uh, Joe, what's something that you're sad about this Monday morning? Uh, so I'm sad that the Packers season is done. I don't care what mathematics tell me that the Packers might still have a chance. Our season is done. Rodgers is not the savior that we all thought he would be. That's a surprise shocker there. However, I'm not quite sad because the three goals were that we beat the Bears, we beat the Browns, and we lose enough that we can get Dom Capers fired. And by golly gee gosh, I think we're going to get there. I really, <laughs> really believe, and I have to believe, I have to believe that the Packer fan, we are almost there the point where Dom Capers is finally gone and we might be able to have a defense that is not the 31st ranked defense for the last 14 consecutive years it feels like I'm just hoping and praying that we've gotten to that point that's why you can't have nice things Joe Dom Capers that's <laughs> really what it is but you know what I mean look Rogers you could tell didn't have the same zip on the ball a lot of underthrows. the picks were bad uh, you know I know this is going to sound dumb but I'm going to ask it anyway because well maybe I'm not the brightest fellow but here's a question for you and I want you to answer me honestly. I won't think any less of you or any more of you, depending on how you answer. I just want an honest answer. Was there a part of you going at the end of the game, I wonder if this would have been the same outcome if Brett Hundley was playing? I think it would have been worse. Okay. I, there's, no, there's no doubt in my mind that Rodgers made a better difference than Hundley would have. I don't think Hundley would have taken some of those shots, and that's really all I was asking for at times. I understand they resulted in interceptions. I think Rodgers was limited, but I'll take my all-pro quarterback and MVP over Brett Hundley. And I, I am still a bit of a fan of Brett Hundley. And I actually think that he should play the final two games of the season, if nothing else, to be a showcase for a trade opportunity in the offseason. But I, I think Rodgers was the guy I wanted to have there, and I didn't feel like – I mean, I felt like he lost us the game, but I wouldn't have had it any other way, if that makes sense. Uh, that does. I think that is the best way you could have put. It. Well done, well done, sir. All right, let's get over to uh, the week that was, and let's start with the big uh, uh, Sunday Million contest, and let's start with uh, Blake Bortles. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to live in a world where Blake Bortles is uh, the quarterback we all want. I mean, I, I thought he would be useful. I mean, a 25 point showing for me uh, this week. It just continues to prove to me that. It's time to pay attention. I mean, Blake Bortles with seven touchdowns, no picks in the last three games. People can say all they want. Well, he's better because of Fournette. Well, that wasn't the case less yesterday. And on top of which, I understand Houston's not a good football team. But at the same time, I think at a certain point, we have to all give credit where credit is due. And Blake Bortles right now and next week is a good matchup as well. Needs to be on everybody's daily fantasy radar. How many times do we get to open the show with Blake Bortles? Like that's, This is the only one. I promise everyone out there this will be the only one. That's a surprise in itself when we have that kind of thing happen. But you're right. And honestly, he's had up and down season or games, not just this year, but past years too. I do also the dynasty rankings for Rotowire, and I have a hard time trying to slot in where Blake Bortles is going to be. A, because I don't know if they bring him back. I still believe Eli Manning could make an impression with that Jaguars offense, and they could bring him on if the Giants decide to cut him. But I wonder if Blake Bortles isn't maybe turning towards a quarterback that isn't just a stinker that the Jaguars have to keep around. To me, this game felt like the, the Jags had to win this one, and the Texans certainly didn't. And we saw by the scoreline, and a lot of these scorelines really, 45-7, to seven, like, uh, just they gave up. The Texans gave up. And you don't like to say that in the NFL, but that's what, to me, it looked like just watching some of the replays. No, I would agree so, with that statement. I don't, I don't think Blake Bortles is a guy I want to use consistently, but based on when he has good matchups, I feel good about that. But now the Jaguars, I guess they really are fighting for more of playoff positioning than anything else because they're already locked in. 
Yeah, uh, I, I'll tell you this much too. <clears throat> With uh, Antonio Brown out now, the Steelers better watch themselves because I know it was a very emotional game, <clears throat> and if they should stumble here in the last two weeks in any fashion, and the Jaguars went out, I mean, you got to watch that because the last you don't want to go from being the one seed to now playing on the road. You know, what I mean, that's a that's a big right. difference here. And I'll tell you what, if you told me that without Antonio Brown, Pittsburgh had to go into Jacksonville, and I mean, I know it's a little early yet to to be talking about that, but there would be. I would not be shocked whatsoever if that was the case. Like if, if Jacksonville were to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, because that defense is for real. And I'll tell you what, if Blake Bortles wins a playoff game, just a single playoff game, I think it's going to be hard to get rid of him. I really do. Uh, Eli Manning, speaking of which you mentioned before, 434, three touchdowns against the Eagles. Uh, Eagles defense better wake up because when the playoffs come, if Eli Manning is putting a 400 spot on you, that's a problem. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee the ownership of Eli Manning was <laughs> minuscule this week, but uh, kudos to him and also to Jimmy Garoppolo, 381. Now, again, just one touchdown, so the touchdown totals aren't really you know, going super high, but the yardage totals for Garoppolo, Joe, I mean, can you believe the yardage totals we're seeing from Jimmy G? I love Jimmy G, and I've been on him for a while. I've been on him uh, when he was with the Patriots back at quarterback, too. I am not anticipating this kind of yardage, mainly because I didn't think they had the weapons to do that. But right. Marquise Goodwin has developed into a very, very reasonable DFS player and a guy that you can rely on week in and week out. And that is weird to me because I've taken so long to adjust to Adam Thielen being a DFS star that I haven't quite gotten around to Marquise Goodwin there. But that's what we're seeing. That the fact that he's able to move the ball with the skill, skill position players that they have on that team currently is stunning to me, and it really is great. That that's why I think that Garoppolo is going to be a good DFS, or I'm sorry, a good dynasty asset moving forward. Yes, if he can do this this season, really not knowing much of the offense and all, what can he do when they actually game plan around him and get skill guys that are good? And that's that's amazing to me. They better watch their ass though, because I'll tell you what, Joe. I mean, they keep winning football games at this rate. They're going to get out of some of those premium <laughs> position players. They're going to want the skill set guys because they're going to need one of those guys. But you know what? You're you know, Goodwin's played terrific. Um, you know, if, if you could bring in a big primetime running back like Barkley or something like that into this offense, my goodness, you know, all of a sudden that team gets remade. Now, look, they still need a lot of help on defense and on the lines. They could use improvement too. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I, what a difference a quarterback makes. It just, you either have the quarterback or you don't. And the Washington Redskins better wake up too, because once Kirk Cousins is gone, and I think he will be gone, you're going to be looking up at Carson Wentz. You're going to be looking up at Dak Prescott in the standings for a long time. It's going to be a rough go. Todd Gurley, though. Got to be player of the week. 43 and a half points for Gurley. Uh, a stunning day. Three catches with a touchdown. Uh, three rushing touchdowns on 152 yards. And an absolute throttling of the Seattle Seahawks. So if you hate the Seahawks, this had to be a, a Sunday where you were enjoying yourself. And I'll tell you what. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to say it right now. Sean McVay is coach of the year. I don't want anybody to tell me differently. The team that he took over, nobody gave a shot to be relevant. Not only has he made them relevant, he's made them a playoff contender and a team to be feared. And right now, I don't know, man. Todd Gurley's definitely got to be in the MVP conversation because where are the Rams without Todd Gurley? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't even think your Sean McVay um, coach of the year is a hot take at all. I mean, maybe it's between um, Doug Marone, maybe the – uh, we have the Vikings court, uh, court head coach as well that could be in that discussion. But yeah. you're right. They were left for dead. Jared Goff in particular was left for dead. And yet these guys have now risen to the top of the NFC West, which was supposed to be a pretty good division, really hasn't developed into that, but was supposed to be a pretty good division entering the year. I agree with you. And I don't know about MVP for Todd Gurley. I'm still on Carson Wentz, even with his injury and missing the last three weeks. And I understand he probably won't. And 
I recognize Tom Brady is always going to be in that discussion until the end. Brady of Brady shouldn't win it this year, I, and I'm a uh, and that's coming from a Patriot guy. And I'm sorry, I bleed red, white, and blue. I'm all about it, but no, it's not a Patriot Tom Brady year where he's taken over. I thought Antonio Brown was MVP to be honest, because well, I think that there's there's just there's not a lot of surefire MVP candidates, which is why we are just gravitating towards the Tom Brady's of the world. Gurley should be in the discussion. Absolutely. I think that his numbers and we'll look at next year, we'll be like, wait, you know, Gurley had this incredible season. Why, why isn't he doing it again? Well, you can't like you, you literally can't replicate. This This is similar to how Matt Ryan's stats were last year. You will not be able to see this kind of performance again. So kind of get on the train while you, while you will, because it's in the station and it's going to be leaving soon. We're not going to see it again, in my opinion. All right, let's continue on. Uh, besides Tom Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, also a good day on the ground, 117 for him. Uh, it talked about C.J. Anderson last week, you and I. I told you, just something about C.J. Anderson, and by <laughs> golly, uh, you know, see, I, I didn't expect 158. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it made up for the no touchdown, but uh, 158 was beyond my expectations. But, you know, really, uh, Mark Ingram, another good day from the running backs, too. Uh, we always know Alvin Kamara is always going to be a guy in play. On the receiving side, uh, I talked about it with John on Friday. It was a Gronk smash kind of day. There was no way he wasn't getting 100 yards. He got 168 on nine catches. You had 10 for 114 for Marquise Goodwin. You had Greg Olson getting back into play, which is a good sign there because the tight end position needs some help. And Sterling Shepard, you know, Shepard was a guy that I had given some thought to on Sunday morning, and I said, you know what, I just can't get behind it. There's too many weeks where he just bottoms out. And there's weeks where he's got, you know, two catches for 15 yards. And then there's weeks where he's got 11 for 139 and a touchdown like Sunday. How the hell do you requisite somebody like Shepard? Is it just a matter, Joe, of like if you're a multi-entry kind of player, then you play that way. Otherwise, he's better just left alone. I was not at all on, on that Eli Manning giant stack against the Eagles. And I think it's we need to really start considering that the Eagles actually aren't that good of a defense that we thought they were. I'm talking about my uh, one of my friends who is an Eagles fan. He was saying for a couple weeks now, this team wasn't exactly what the media is painting them to be as far nope. as defense goes. And that one took me a surprise when you look at the box score and how much – and we talked about Eli Manning earlier, but back to Sterling Shepard, I really think that he was actually a beneficiary of a, a pretty decent matchup that not a lot of people recognized. I'm not sure I'm going to be using him for the next two weeks or so. Just It, it really depends on if the Giants have a, a defense like this that they're going against. They've had to play and they've had to win – by just playing bad football, right? That's kind of their, their MO at this point. Oh, we need to just win bad. And I'm not going to be in the business of trying to get a fantasy player that is winning in a bad team or bad situation, you know? No, and Keelan Cole also, I mean, well, I'd be remiss not to mention him. Seven for 186 and a touchdown. He was in the million-dollar lineup uh, winner as well. I, I, I just, you know, God bless you. 1.2% owned Keelan Cole. If you had that right, awesome <laughs> like yeah, yeah. there was reason to talk about it there was reason to to mention it but you know reason to play it that's a whole other thing you know the, the world was a lot that did go right though you know Zach Ertz Foles that we talked about uh Keenum had another good day so all the things that we thought it was a big disappointment though from Antonio Brown because of the injury Adam Thielen was a big disappointment there I think a lot of people were on him but the good news was Kenyon Drake did have another good day as well Drake was another player that we talked about a lot uh so things are finally I think going back uh, to normal there where he's getting the right amount of looks and, you know, he's going to be somebody who's going to be dependable the rest of the way down. All right. Now this coming week, uh, Joe, we have uh, a different scenario here. We've got the Monday night game and then we've got two Saturday games. So the Monday night game, we've got Atlanta at Tampa, which should be, I don't know about you, but incredibly exciting. Then Indianapolis at Baltimore and then Minnesota against your green Bay Packers. So, I mean, if look, 
if you would, if even if you think your season's over, I think as a Packer fan at home, you want to beat Minnesota just for respect purposes. So let's start breaking this down. And let's start with the quarterbacks because this is more than our usual slate with just a two. We got three games here on this one. So Rodgers at 8,400, Matt Ryan at 77, Case Keenum at 76, Winston at 71, and everybody's All-American Joe Flacco at 67. I'm not even going to mention Brissett at this point against Baltimore. I don't think it's worth mentioning. So for me, my eyes go right away to Case Keenum. It goes to Keenum because if you think Rodgers is going to be you know, better next week, a little less rust, then maybe it does turn into a little bit of a shootout. But, Joe, you've been the guy to keep mentioning to me about this Packers defense. So is Keenum the right play at 76 and just keep rolling with him because he's so cost-effective? Or for $100 more, do you go with a Matt Ryan or pay up for Rodgers at that point? There's a couple of prices that I like here, given the quarterbacks that we have available. And I think the worst of which is Aaron Rodgers at 8,400. I'm not going that direction, not against the Vikings defense. I understand there will be a revenge game factor, and I anticipate that the offensive line of the Packers – We'll do something dirty or nasty to Anthony, uh, Anthony Barr. I really think that's going to happen at some point. But Matt Ryan or Case Keenum is what it boils down to for me. And I, I really think Case Keenum is the way to go. The Packers' defense is god-awful. They are just bad. I mean, we're starting cornerbacks that I've never heard of before. <laughs> and I've been a Packers fan for 23 years. Okay, so Case Keenum is the way to go. Matt Ryan's not bad. I mean, almost, I almost wonder if that's contrarian play. But Case Keenum should be the guy you're starting. If he doesn't get 250 and two touchdowns, I will be stunned. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I think Keenum's the way to go. Matt Ryan's not a terrible one. Campa is also an awful defense. So I think, you know, if you're going to do a couple different lineups just to have some differential and some tournaments, yeah, it's not a big deal to pivot from Keenum to Ryan. But I think that's the range you want to stay in. That's the happy zone. Uh, any contrarian love for uh, James Winston, just out of curiosity? Yes, I'm okay with that, but it's only only if I really don't want to go the Ryan or Keenum route. That that to me, those are the two automatic plays. It's one one A and one B, and then it's like three or four C kind of thing for Winston, and even even a guy like Flacco against the Colts defense at 6700. Don't don't kid yourself. Just just do the sure thing in Keenum. I guarantee you, it's a sure thing. All right, going over to the running backs. You know, you got Jamal Williams who all of a sudden disappeared, which was uh, I was shocked. I really was, and I think that's that's part of what went wrong too. I think part of what the Packers were in a, a bit of a I'm not gonna say a zone because it wasn't that good, but they were they were in a rhythm. I think that's a better way to put it. Offensively, they were they had a little bit of a thing going where they you know with Williams and and. Uh, how they were running the offense where things were starting to click. And then when Rodgers came back, I feel like it kind of threw things a little out of sync. And I'm sure they'll get into sync with Aaron Rodgers again over time. He's Aaron Rodgers. He's a Hall of Famer. But I think it showed a little bit. I think everything was just a little out of out of rhythm. Devontae Freeman at 76, Collins at 7K, Doug Martin 67, Lat Murray and McKinnon at 64 and 61 respectively. Now, I'm going to throw this out there because of your uh, discussion with Keenum again. Do you do you go and stack the two Minnesota running backs? Because I think you can make a very strong case for that if you want to fade the top group and maybe even go with an Aaron Rodgers and save some cash there and flip it around, go with Rodgers at the top and then the two running backs over in the uh, against uh, Green Bay. That's an interesting discussion. <laughs> when we didn't talk about the Sunday recap, we didn't mention Christian McCaffrey. He had 22 Fanduel points. Yes. So that was the most – automatic play of all automatic plays besides starting Cam Newton, which I was all on board to. And then for some reason didn't do it in my main lineup. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was the guy to go to because the Packers. Isn't that funny how that happens, Joe? I don't want to interrupt you, but you know, everything that we know is a smart thing. We help so many people. We get so many nice tweets of people saying nice things. You know, we get so much good feedback on the shows. 
And then like every now and then we overthink stuff. And that, you know, it's the over analysis of stuff that, you know, everybody does on occasion, but you're right, man. It's just the funniest thing. Sometimes oh it just happens to all of us. <laughs> Normally I like, I, I know Cam Newton was the right play. I knew it from the beginning. That's the way I should go. And then yeah, I put Kirk Cousins in my lineup because I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I want to make sure I had my money where my mouth is. I talked about Cousins as a valuable play against the Cardinals and other past publications. Yeah. It just it was frustrating anyway. So Christian McCaffrey to me was an automatic play. And I did thankfully have him in my lineup. That was because the Packers w- cannot cover scat back type of players, but really he played more of a receiver in that game. If you told me Jarek McKinnon was going to be a third receiver or slot receiver type of player, I would say I want him in there automatically. But when the Packers played McKinnon past, I thought for sure that would be a matchup that they would exploit. And that wasn't the case. I think it's Latavius Murray. And I think it's maybe Devonta Freeman or Alex Collins. I wouldn't go both of them though. I think that it might be more of a Murray game than McKinnon game. Cause I just, I don't think they'll be able to utilize him in a way that will, that the Packers defense can't figure out, which is surprising because they really can't figure out a lot of things. Yeah, I know some people will say to us too as we're breaking this down, well, well, the Colts have been terrible, so should we start to think about some of the, you know, some of the Baltimore Ravens? And, and I would normally say yes, but I just feel like the trust level I have with the Ravens, every time I'm buying in Alex Collins, it seems like it goes in the wrong direction. Every time it seems like, you know, when we start to say, okay, what do we know that's going right here? You know, I think if you look at the wide receivers, that's where, you know, I know Macklin's dealing with a knee, but you got Macklin, you got Wallace. I mean, any of these kind of guys as low-end, cost-effective guys work in for you to these lineups where you get a piece of some sort of attack against that Colts defense, which is also dreadful. I I like Alex Collins. To me, he's the first running back I'm putting in my lineup. So he's at 7K, though, so that's not really cost-effective like you're mentioning. If I had to pick a receiver, I think it would probably be Mike Wallace. Even if Macklin were healthy, of course, he's questionable as of this point. I think Wallace is the way to go. He's been looked at a little bit more, not just in those deep passes, but in the red zone, and I think that could be an area. Otherwise, we just go for your tight end du jour and, and figure out whatever Raven guy might score from the tight end. Ben Watson comes to mind immediately, looking at, the, again, this poo-poo slate of tight uh, <laughs> ends. Oh, I, man. I think could, it's either Rudolph or Watson. Those are the two directions that I'm going for tight end. And I don't think Jack Doyle is a guy I want to have against the Ravens defense. So those are a couple of Ravens guys that I, I understand one to get the share of it, but that Buccaneers Atlanta game, that should be a fantastic fantasy game. And certainly the flip side of whoever the Vikings are going to be scoring with against the Packers is fantastic too. So it's not that we don't like the Colts Baltimore. I just think that there's, I think there's better opportunities to be used given the matchups that we have on the Saturday Monday slate. Now, on the defensive end, I think paying up for the Ravens at 51 is exactly what you want to do. Um, I'm all about paying up for them. I, I want them. I, I want to have them on there. Uh, on the wide receivers, too, before we turn the page on this slate, uh, I'm curious your thoughts here. Julio Jones, Mike Evans, you know, guys up and down, but something tells me, I don't know. I mean, you know, you've got Thielen on this slate, too. You've got Jordy Nelson coming back into play potentially you saw the ball trying to get forced to him a little bit but you know not quite in sync there's time for that to get back are you buying into the idea that Nelson and Rodgers get back on the same page this week are you buying into any sort of Mike Evans rebound or Julio Jones to me it's an easy one where you could pay up for Julio Jones and hope for a big Julio game and that will be the separator of the week because you know to me against Tampa I mean I just don't think they can stop him that's why we're paying down at the running back and doing a Collins and Murray situation. So we can have Julio Jones in there. So we can have Adam Thielen in there. That's kind of how I've been structuring my lineup. I am buying in the fact that Nelson's going to get acclimated with Rogers, especially if Devonte Adams is out. And I'm expecting that to be the case, given this is a second concussion of the year. I'm expecting that he'll be out for this next game. So that means more Nelson. And while Xavier Rhodes is a fantastic cornerback, 
I think that he might struggle a little bit with Nelson as far as the back shoulder throws, just getting acclimated to that with Rodgers again. I'm not going that route, though, for fantasy. I think it will be Julio, Adam Thielen, and maybe some combination of Stephon Diggs. Again, I think both these receivers are going to go off, or Mike Wallace we mentioned earlier. Yeah, I also think Diggs is the one to watch. I think Diggs is a little bit better value in this game. A $1,000 difference is a big difference. So not that you need to save necessarily, but you know, having Aaron Rodgers, the safety net at quarterback, if you want to go up that far, I think in Green Bay, it'll be a little bit different story. Oh, the pressure's kind of off now. So you know, maybe just that idea of, hey, let's just go out there and play. Maybe, hopefully, I think they'll get up and maybe want to play spoiler against Minnesota. I think that's something to keep in mind. All right, over 2.5 million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel. Take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RotoWire, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription plus free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes. With your first deposit on FanDuel, just visit FanDuel.com slash RotoWire. Void where prohibitive. Now, usually we do our hot take here, but instead – uh, I want to talk about the new format that's out there now on FanDuel, which is the Superflex, which, my goodness, the fantasy gods have smiled upon us. A couple of years ago when I was working for the company, I actually talked to them and they asked, what are some things that we could do to make gameplay more fun? And I said, hey, here's an idea. Why not have more styles of games? You know, a lot of people like two quarterback. They like Superflex. They like more things. Get rid of the kicker and defense and let's let's get some real stuff going on. And they finally did it. It was very exciting. The beta, I guess, is going on for these last couple weeks here of the season. I don't know if you got involved in any. I did. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out for me because I had some Russell Wilson shares. <laughs> that wasn't the <laughs> idea. But at the same time, I'm just super excited because, to me, this is a bit of a leveler because having to play two quarterbacks, I think, changes the dynamic significantly here. You take out a lot of the risk factor of the – well, you got to have that one defense that went off or that one kicker who happened to have an 18-point day. in order Robbie to Gold. Re- Robbie Gold, uh, <laughs> who I've rolled with a lot. This was one of the few weeks lately I haven't had Robbie Gold in the lineup. But, you know, everything that could go wrong went wrong this week, which is fine. As long as I help other people, I don't care. <laughs> but, but, you know, what do you feel about um, this two-quarterback scenario here where you get to play the flex and then the super flex with a quarterback involved. Are you liking this change potentially in daily for next season as well? I love it. I I did not get a chance to play it this weekend. I had a lot of other family obligations going on with the holidays and whatever else. So I didn't get a chance to really dabble in that, but I'm in multiple season long fantasy leagues that have the two quarterbacks and it actually makes it feel like that quarterback position is important. Yep. Oftentimes we're, I feel like we're differentiating between Cam Newton and, you know, like uh, Nick Foles, and that's a, a four-point difference, whatever it was this week, or, or at least close to that. Maybe I was just trying to make it feel better for myself as a Packer fan. But when you have both those guys in there, then that becomes more skill-based as far as, yes, I'm targeting these matchups. And I like that I can have that discussion point. I can kind of look into that. I even look at that Saturday game we were just talking about. Instead of having to waffle between Matt Ryan and Case Keenum, I can have them both. That's the perfect part about this. So I, I love that we can have that option. And I, I'm like, Excited to see how that gets anticipated and, and revolved into the FanDuel stuff here. Yeah, I agree. And look, if you get the super flex, you got to play a quarterback in the second one. And you're right. You know, it, it makes it more difficult. And the, the pricing is different. So if you're doing it for the first time, I know this week they started with a few tournaments and they filled up and they had to add more. And I think that speaks volumes already to this is a format that people get excited about. I am way more excited about playing with the two quarterbacks potentially because the strategy, the double stacking that can go on where you're talking about, okay, I want, you know, you could have both shares in the same game, you know, where you say, Oh man, you know, I, I love this game on both ends. I wish I could start both these quarterbacks. Well, guess what? Now you can, you know, and I think that's going to change the dynamic greatly. And in a lot of ways it might even potentially kind of 
uh, fade a little bit of the power of the shark, you know, because all of a sudden now when you take the defense and you take the kicker and you take some other things out of it and you're going back to a new format now, everybody's learning this new format. And I, I think it's good. I think it's a little bit more of a leveler in the playing field. And I think it's a, a great thing. I hope they continue to do it into next year. Uh, I'm all about it. I want more of it. And uh, I'm very excited. So I hope uh, you guys out there, if you didn't get to play this week, Joe, I want to make sure you get in one this week. And also, Joe, I play in almost all two quarterback or super flex leagues. So now that I know you're one of my people, I'll make sure I get you into one of those leagues for next year. That's for damn sure. Good, good. I'm, I'm ready to beat you in that one, too. Oh, I love it. John McKetney <laughs> said the same thing, and I pwned him this year. So, <laughs> careful what you wish for. All right, everybody. You can follow him at JB Fantasy Sports, and you can send him uh, some sort of edible arrangement or something because he's sad about the Packers being eliminated. You can follow me <laughs> at Joe Pizapia17. For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great week of Daily Fantasy.